and Miss Donica is going to come and read for us. So if you wouldn't uh, mind, go ahead and standing with us as we hear from God. Thank you. Good morning. When I finish reading the verses, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And in response, you'll say, thanks be to God. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out your grace onto us. We ask, Lord, that through this grace that you would give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts, Lord. That we would receive what you have revealed to us and do what you have commanded, Lord. Not because we have to, but because we want to, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would pour out your wisdom into the pastor, Lord, as he speaks. That your spirit, Lord, would use his words to give us a greater faith in you and an understanding in you. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. As uh, Pastor Shea said to me this morning when I was freaking out a little bit, uh, the Lord is with you. Uh, And I think that that would be an appropriate uh, greeting to you this morning as well. The Lord is with you. Um, so I'm going to pray again because I'm still shaking, probably too much coffee. Um, but we are diving into the text that theologians often call the heart of the gospel or the guts of the gospel today, uh, which means that the importance of it should not be lost on us. Because up to now, in the book of Romans, it's been the first chapter we went into, it was, hey, guess what? You have a problem. And then the next week was, oh, and it's worse because you can't fix it. And the next week was, and even if you could fix it, you're still guilty of sin. So that's kind of in the trajectory that we've been going on up to this point. And today that's switching over to, but now. Um, But now means that the whole thing is about to turn around and we're going to stop looking at our sin and we're going to start looking at the righteousness of God and how he fixes the problem. And, And my fear is that, When we get to a text like this, it's really easy to do one of two things. It's really easy for us to 
glance over it or hear it and be like, wow, there are 12 words in there that I don't understand. And for our eyes to like start to gloss over and be like, this is going to be a really technical conversation today. Um, it'd be a lot easier to think about the football game coming later or the project I need to do or the things I've got in my Netflix queue. Like, but um, like, I would encourage you to stay with me like, and engage with this mentally. Um, but more importantly, on the second worry that I have is that if you've been a Christian for a while or, or maybe you're not a Christian you just grew up in the church that you would come to these words and you would only be able to accept them mentally and not with your heart um, and that's what a lot of people do and they, they miss the impact of the gospel and at best all it can do is graze over their hearts um, but that's not what we want to do today because today we're going to talk about the righteousness of God. And today we're going to talk about how our holiness and our ability to keep the law, parentheses, there's none, um, collides with the sacrifice of God on our behalf. And so with that, we're going to jump in together, but let's pray. God, we, we come before you again, grateful for your word, grateful to be together as a people, um, we are excited to look at who you are and what your plan of salvation is. Uh, and we pray that through this, that we would know you better, um, that you would uh, show us your love through this passage, that you would answer our questions. Many of us, whether we're not Christians or maybe we've been Christians for a long time, um, we're always going to have doubts and challenges and, and questions that we are going to bring before your throne. And we pray that today, um, just through your spirit moving with each person individually, that you would answer them. And we pray, God, that you would save today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So today... Uh, we're going to talk about how salvation is through faith in Christ. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have a cleaner breakdown for you um, because we are really going to just try to unpack this um, as slowly as we can so we can really let the truth sink in. So we're going to start in verse 21. Like I said in the recap, verse, chapter 1, we're all sinners. Chapter 2, and there's nothing you can do about it. Chapter 3, so far, because you're sinners. So, but now, in verse 21... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when we hear the word righteousness, most definitions of this word in this day and age is negative. Uh, we think of someone who's stuck up or proud or kind of judgy. Like, oh, they're just that righteous person that judges me all the time. Or like someone that you're like, when you think of the word righteous, you don't pair the word fun next to it. And you're like, I don't know if you want to be a righteous person, I guess in certain situations. Or, or you pair it with what we view it as negative emotions. So they were righteously angry or righteously wrathful. But... That's not what righteousness is, especially when we're talking about the righteousness of God. Righteousness means the rightness of God in all things. So when we speak of the righteousness of God that it says in this passage, it means that when God acts or thinks or speaks or feels, it's right. It is always right. And so when he gets angry, it's just the right amount of anger. 
When he loves, it's the right amount of love. When he punishes, it's righteous. When he extends mercy, it's righteous. It means that in all of his dealings with us as humans, he is right. And that is very good news for us. And today, it's good to talk about righteousness in two ways. It's good to talk about how that righteousness needs to be given to us. And it's also going to talk about the problem of once we find out what the gospel is, um, how God is still righteous. Because there's going to be a, a big ethical question that's going to come up with that. And so here in this first part, it says that the righteousness of God is given to those who believe in Jesus Christ through faith and are restored to right standing before God. Now it says that the righteousness of God, that it is revealed apart from the law, but that the law and the prophets spoke of it and pointed to it. And so what that's saying is the law was the Old Testament, the ideals and morals and laws given to the people of God of who God was. And through that, the people of God learned two things, what God was like and what sin was. And through that, it pointed out what the ideal of God was. And so uh, Sean Moss is here. Um, he gave me the best definition of the law I think I can, I've ever heard and will ever exist ever. Think of a laser maze. And the lasers are sin. The fog is the law. It doesn't help you get through the lasers, but it shows you where they are. And it shows you what the end is. That is what the law does. It reveals sin. It reveals what the righteousness of God is. And it points to it. It says, and there's coming a day that the righteousness of God will come. And it will not be attained through this, but it's coming. And then the prophets dealt with a people who had really just given up on God. <laughs> uh, God loved them, and they gave up. They entered into all sorts of sin, breaking relationship with God and each other and the land, and it, it just became a horrible mess. And the prophet said, no, what are you doing? And cried out what the judgment for sin was and pointed back to the holiness of God. But they also pointed forward and said, but the righteousness of God is coming. And so this but now refers to Jesus. Now was this word that was used all throughout the Old Testament of there is coming a day, just this one day, this one day, where the righteousness of God will be revealed and that God's people will be restored to God. And through Jesus, that now has arrived. Back then, it was called the day is coming, the day is coming. But here in Romans 3, it says that day is here. And we see in verse 23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, before that, it says that um, the righteousness of God is given uh, through faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Now, we're going to look at verse 23 in two ways. And the first way we're going to look at is a positive way. The righteousness of God has been revealed through faith in Jesus Christ for those who believe, for everyone who believes. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the salvation of Jesus is available to all who have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no, well, what about that really bad guy? And it's like, no, like if he believed in Christ and, and, and had faith in him, then that is enough for him to be saved, for him to be declared righteous before God. 
Well, what about me? I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, but all have fallen short of the glory of God, and it says there is no distinction. So you're still under the same curse, but salvation is available to you as well through Jesus Christ and through righteousness in Jesus Christ. And before we we move on to the second point, this is why that matters. I've spoken to a lot of family members and friends about who Jesus is and um, what he has done. And, and often I hear one of these two responses. I hear, um, look, it's good that you found religion. Uh, me and God, we have our own thing going. Um, so I'm glad you found religion, but don't worry. We've got our own little side deal going on, and uh, it's taken care of. So don't even worry about me. Like, he knows what I'm about. Um, and then the second thing that I've heard is that they can't be accepted or they can't accept what Jesus is giving them because they themselves, in a way, won't forgive themselves of the wrongs they've committed against people and against God. And this is a good news. Because first of all, for the person who says, no, I've got my own little side thing going, the answer is, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, it says so right here. There is no distinction. All have fallen short of the glory of God. I didn't see your name as like an asterisk written here, be like, Except for Timmy, like, Timmy's got his own little thing going on before God. Like, um, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, faith is available to all who would, uh, sorry, righteousness is available to all who would believe in Jesus Christ and have faith in him. And for the second person who says, I can't forgive what I've done. I can't do that. This is good news because it says, Well, you're in luck because the salvation that God offers is to all who have fallen short of the glory of God. It's to the murderer and the criminal and it's to the relationship breaker and it's to the the tax number smudger and to the one who's disobedient to their parents and to the one who just can't figure it out in their life and to the one who feels shame. All of them, um, it is the righteousness of God given to you by faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. You are saved by faith in Christ. That's how you're saved. That easy. But we live in a culture, and I don't blame us, where salvation gets thrown, out around, a lot, thrown around a lot. Like salvation from what? Um, what is it exactly that you're saved from when you believe in Christ? And that's what Paul is going to unpack in this next part. And so we're going to look at how God saves. Um, But first we're going to do that by re-looking at the problem. So let's read verse 23 again. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when you read this, it's really tempting to look at this like, well, obviously I'm not God. Like, obviously, and, and even our, like, there's a popular song right now, like, it, it's, it sings, I'm only human, it's called Only Human, I love that song, um, and, and the chorus just goes, I'm only human after all, don't put the blame on me. And so, somebody with that mentality that reads this verse is going to be like, well, obviously, all have fallen short of the glory of God. God is God. I am not God, at least last time I checked. Let me try to get that tree to move. Mm, no, don't have the force, I'm not God. So, um, pretty easy to figure that out. But what Paul's audience would have known pretty quickly was what this is referring to is not necessarily the glory that God had. It's saying all have fallen short of the glory that God originally created humans with. Um, 
And so think of the beauty of humanity, all the best that we have to offer, um, all the best that you've seen, because we've seen some amazing things. And what he's saying is that all of us fall short of how God originally created us as humans, both because of uh, who we are and, and our, our lineage of being in a line of people that have repeatedly rebelled against God, but that also we continue to perpetuate that rebellion in front of God. And let's, let's not go to extreme examples. Let's go to your, your best days. You feel this. I feel this. Because on my best days, all the ideas of how awesome I can do at work um, fall apart when I put my hands to it. And there's no reason. So I get angry. Because there's no reason that that happened. Um, or we think we can work together as a team or have solid relationships, and we know that it's real in here, we know that there's ways to do it, we know it here, but because of our own brokenness and, and issues, they fall apart all the time. Or, at, at best, we have to put in a lot of energy to keep them going. Um, at our best, uh, we cannot comprehend a world that is free of disease and sin. Lots of songs sing about it, but no one actually knows what that would look like. Um, and so that's saying that we have all fallen short, and in all of our efforts, we can't get back to this original place that God has created us. So it's, it's obvious that we fall short of the glory of God. He's beautiful. He's righteous. Like, just that one attribute of God, the righteousness of God, if we were trying to compare it to anyone in this room, it would cause us to tap out. Someone who was right in all of their dealings and in all of their thoughts and in all of their feelings, that person doesn't exist aside from God. But it's worse than that. We have lost the glory that humanity has attained to. And so that's what we confessed in Ephesians, that we are dead in our sins. Um, dead man walking, um, like the Green Mile, except without all the tremendous acting. Um, <laughs> We are following the prince and principality of this world. We desire evil. And by nature, we're children of wrath. In other words, we are still in open war against God outside of Christ. That doesn't put us in a great position. God has created some terrifying things. And just his creation of them makes me even more terrified of who he is. Like when we worship, if you're one of those guys and you're, you've got kind of like a cowboy mentality and you're like, what's it with all these people raising their hands? It's because we're worshiping a God that can kill us. Like we recognize the power of God. We're like, this isn't wimpy. I'm just recognizing who's the most powerful person here and that's God. And so all have fallen short of the glory of God. We need God to fix us and he does so in three ways in this passage at least. Um, that are just free, unmerited gifts from him. That's what grace means. It's a free, unmerited gift to, the, to those who don't deserve it. God doesn't owe us a handout. God doesn't need to give us a handout. He's not lonely. Like, and even if he was lonely, he could just go like that and then create, you know, the bare modeler 2.0. I'm getting ahead of myself. But um, 
But as a free unmerited gift, God gives us his grace. And he does three things for us to save us. And when we talk about have you been saved or have you put your faith in Jesus Christ or do you have salvation, at the heart of that, we're asking about these three things. So let's look at verse 24 together. And are justified by his grace as a gift. We'll pause there. We are justified by his grace as a gift. So the first thing it means to be saved is that we are justified by his grace as a gift. So what does justification mean? It means two things. It means that God declares in your favor and that God declares you righteous. So God gives several warnings in scripture that we all will stand before God one day to give an account of what we've done. And so there's a courtroom coming where at the end of our life, we are going to stand before God. And at this point, you have a couple of different options. You can trust yourself and bring your own deeds and thoughts and secrets before the throne of God and see if he'll judge you righteous. Um, while that's happening, the law will accuse you and will point out the ways that you have not been righteous. Uh, and Satan, who wants to destroy you, will be in the rows being like, yep, I agree with the law. Like, I would love the opportunity to destroy those made in the image of God because every, every shot I take in an image of God is a, a shot I wish I could take at God himself. Or you can go before God without your works and you can say, I trust God through faith in Jesus. At that moment, God doesn't pass over your sin he doesn't just say, okay, gavel, mistrial. He says, gavel, I find in your favor. You win the court case. And hopefully there's enough justice in you that would say, that's not fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it's not fair. Like, and, and all the good and the bad down my life would be like, that is not fair. But what that is, is justification means that God takes the works of Jesus Christ and he takes those instead of yours. And he declares in your favor. No mistrial. You won. But second, and maybe more deeply satisfying to our culture, you are declared righteous by God. Now think about this. Like, and I, if I'm the only one, I, I am like, I already know I'm the chief of sinners in this room. Like, but surely you have felt the desire to seek approval from people through social media, to get enough likes, to get the comments, um, to be relationally affirmed by your significant other or your friend or your workplace, that you're just like, oh, I wish someone would, would speak kindly to me. Because even when I think that things are going well, it would just be really good to hear those words again. And... Life changes from time to time, but I will tell you this, when you have faith in Christ, um, there is always a voice in heaven who says, declared righteous. That when you have faith in Christ, God is up there saying, you are right before me. You are in right standing before me. So that when I say, the Lord is with you, and, and part of you says, yeah, right. Um, if you have faith in Christ, that is 100% true. 
Because if you have faith in Christ and the righteousness of God has been given to you, then God is in heaven saying, I stand with you. You have been justified. To be saved, first off, means to be justified in the courtroom of God, declared blameless because of the works of Jesus done on your behalf, and declared righteous by God verbally throughout all time. But that brings up some problems. Because if God just justified us, just declared us righteous, but left us a slave to sin, then that justification would be unjust. And so the second thing that God does to save you is he redeems you. So let's look at the next part. Verse 24, justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I used to think of redemption, I'm a little older, so you'd buy a Coke at the 7-Eleven, at and you'd open it during a contest, and you looked at the code underneath, and it'd be like, oh, I want a free Coke. Then you would take that cap, and you would get a free Coke, and that was redeeming that cap for a Coke. Um, redemption works a little different in Christianity, uh, because you don't earn anything. So then I earned it. I, through my gracious wisdom, spent the time as like a 12-year-old boy taking the sodas and kind of holding it up to the light and being like, that kind of looks like a bad code. And then pull it down and be like, that kind of looks like a bad code. And then, you know, spending money on three Cokes so that I could win the, the free Coke. So when I redeemed that Coke, I could easily say, that Coke is mine. Um, I, have, I have redeemed it. Um, but we can't redeem ourselves um, because we are constantly in this spiral of sinning and living in unrighteousness. And so you trying to redeem yourself by your own works is like you trying to get out of credit card debt by using credit cards. <laughs> and like, here's what happens. If, if you're doing that, stop. Um, so, <laughs> Financial Peace University starts in a couple weeks. Um, so... Um, but you know that if you continue in that lifestyle, the credit card companies own what you own. They will repossess everything. But worse, back here, if this happened long enough and your debt was spiraling in a person's influence, you eventually became their slave, their indebted slave. And bad masters would rig a system that even though you were paid, you were constantly having to pay that back and your debt was spiraling. And so God knows that we are slaves to sin. Everything we do that's even good is a gift from God. Our breath, our ability to do things, our reason, our thoughts. And when we keep turning those things to our own centered ways of earning our salvation before God, we get in this cul-de-sac of slavery. And so Jesus redeems us. And he pays for us to come out of that. And what that does is it removes our status of being slaves to sin and puts us in the care of God. And whenever God speaks of redemption in the Bible, he always uses it on, he always talks about it in relational terms. The three biggest examples are when he saves his people out of slavery to be his people. Uh, when Ruth uh, needs a kinsman redeemer 
to save her family from certain destruction. Or when Hosea marries a woman who goes and prostitutes herself to the point that she has, in effect, trafficked herself, he goes and purchases her back and says, you are mine. When God redeems us, it's an intensely personal act to him. Church, through faith in Christ, you are justified. And through faith in Christ, you are redeemed. But that's still not enough. Because we also need to resolve the emotional tension that exists between us and God. So picture this. Picture uh, that I was this spectacular artist who was able to do more than just draw stick figures or make weird lumpy things out of Play-Doh. Like I just, I, I, I can create beautiful works of art and, and I chose 10 of you and I gave you those works of art uh, freely as a gift, but they're worth millions for some reason. Um, like, um, and all of you choose for various reasons to destroy those pieces of art. Now, some of you destroy them more than others uh, and you use that as your excuse when you say, hey, you gave me a sculpture, and yeah, I cut the ear off of it, but look what he did. Um, the point is you all destroy the pieces of art I gave you. Um, and you could pay me back, but I gave that to you as a friend. I'm angry. Some might say I might have wrath. And that's why when things go wrong in this world, you have wrath. Because in you, you still have the image of God. It's not a mistake that you feel anger and wrath about things because God does. And I'm sure there's multiple reasons for that, but I'm sure one of them is so that you can understand the concept of how God feels when we take his art and turn it into trash. And so we have been justified. The debt has been paid. We've been redeemed. We're no longer under the old master of of sin but we need someone to take care of the emotional problem we have with God, namely that he has wrath towards us. And we need someone to take that wrath and turn it around. And so let's look at verse 25. Justified, redeemed, whom God, and then redemption is through Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is what propitiation means. It means someone stands in your place and takes the wrath of God and turns it into favor. And that is Jesus. And so if you're wondering how the works of Christ could be given to you and if what price your redemption came at, it's here. It's propitiation. Jesus on the cross bore the full wrath of God for all who would accept his sacrifice through faith. And so through faith in Christ, you have received the sacrifice to cover all of your sins. Now, there's some, there's some funky stuff happening in, in the original language all throughout this passage. But what's important here is to know that this propitiation, it can mean both a sacrifice and it can mean a place. Because this would occur usually on a, a holiday called Yom Kippur, which is happening next Friday. Um, called the Day of Atonement, where the Jewish people would enter into a time of 10 days of fasting and prayer and all culminate on a single day where they didn't eat, they didn't drink uh, until the holiest person in their community, the high priest, went into the holiest place with the holiest sacrifice and said, God, 
let not your wrath fall on us. Now they had to do that every single year because God isn't appeased by the blood of sheep and goats. And, and you can read all about that in the book of Hebrews. Um, but it's at the cross that Jesus took the place as high priest and the sacrifice and the place where the sacrifice was gonna be made because he was becoming our once and for all sacrifice for our sin. If we have faith in Jesus, that sacrifice is ours for all time. And God no longer has wrath towards you. And these are the truths of the gospel, that through faith in Christ, you are justified. You were declared righteous before God, and you were declared that God is in your favor, that you have favor before God. If you have faith in Christ, you've been redeemed. Jesus has taken care of you. If you have faith in Christ, he has become your sacrifice to take the wrath of God away from you. If you have faith in Christ. Which now leads to the, the final point, which is how does Christ apply this to us? Um, and the answer is uh, through faith, not by works. So we're going to read this next passage and we're going to highlight a couple of these things, starting in, in the, the second part of verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who is faith in Jesus Christ. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? A law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So in this passage, starting in that 25, you need to understand that the law was never intended to save. The law pointed to faith in Christ as the means to be saved. So for everybody who was born before Christ and was in the Old Testament, it's not that they were trying to follow God's law that saved them. It was their trust and faith and hope that there was a Savior coming. And for us, after Jesus, um, it's our trust and faith and hope in the one who has come and is coming again, namely Jesus, that saves us. And that it will help you immensely to understand the Old Testament because the best people in the Old Testament are just okay. They're not good. Maybe that's been a criticism you've had of, of your non-Christian friends or if you're in here and you're a seeker or a skeptic, maybe you look at all the people in the Old Testament and you're like, these are horrible people. Who would model a faith after these people? Like, this is bad. Uh, and the answer is yes, it's very bad. Um, because they aren't saved by their own works, they're saved by their faith in Christ. And I'll give you a couple of, of uh, examples. The first is, Adam, the first man, was told, if you eat this fruit, you'll die. And he ate it, and guess what happened? He didn't die right away. He was cursed, but he didn't die. A sacrifice was made for him. That's interesting. Cain murders someone, second generation of humans, and he murders his brother. And he's not killed. That's weird. Noah was not a righteous man. He got drunk and exposed himself in front of his kids. Like, that's kind of the legacy of Noah. Um, and uh, you wonder why he was saved? 
The only reason we have is before he was told to build an ark, it said the Lord had favor on him. God had grace on him. He had faith. And so God, over and over in the Old Testament, is saving people through faith. And so in verse 25, it says something really scary. It says, for these people, in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. I don't want you to miss the phrase, Passover. He has passed over former sins. And so all this time leading up to Christ, and even for us in our own lives, all that sin that you've committed in the past, God, because he deals righteously with you and is right in all of his dealings, was decided to be patient with you and passed over those former sins so that you would be justified in Christ by faith alone. That's what he did. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith, faith in Jesus. So God is still just. We would say, well, that's not fair. People should be punished for their sins. But here's the thing. God in his righteousness has provided a substitute, Jesus Christ. And if you have faith in Jesus to be your substitute, then God is still just. Because your sins didn't just waft into the air and disappear. They were put on Jesus on the cross. And they were paid for. Or... You can choose to justify yourself before God and try right on your own. Or you can give it to Jesus and have him pay for all of your sins. Bear all of the wrath of God. Pay all the debts that you've incurred and be justified, redeemed, propitiated, which won't be a word you use in your normal vocabulary, but it means that God loves you. Um, and so you see in the coming verses it says, that we are saved by faith, by a law of faith that does not invalidate the, the law of works. And I'm not going to touch too much on this because we're going to be talking about faith in the next two weeks. But I will say that Christians don't throw the law away. We don't say, oh, the law is invalidated now because God ripped up our card and now we can do whatever we want. What we say is, I've been declared righteous uh, and I'm going to follow God through faith. And there's a big difference between that heart and trying to obey God to earn your salvation. Um, it'll look different, um, both emotionally, you'll be a lot less heavy, and then over time, um, people will start to say, now why is it that that person behaves in, in like righteously, but they'll mean the good righteous? And it'll be because you've already been made righteous by the love of God, apart from works. If it depends on your works, then there's... Like, there's no grace. It's not a gift. There's no faith. You did the effort. You were the one that peered into the, the soda cap and figured out how to get saved. Um, the reality is that we can't. And so you've been saved through faith in Christ alone. You've been justified in Christ alone. And what I'm going to say to you is this. There's no response to the gospel other to believe in it. So if you're not a Christian here, I would invite you to become a Christian. Um, that you would come to Christ and you would believe in him and you would have faith in him. Um, faith being a trust in God that he is who he says he is and a trust that means that you will follow him because he loves you and saves you. If you are someone that you've been, you've been a Christian for years and years and years and maybe you're like, you know, I haven't heard some of this, then I would invite you to believe anew, to have faith in Christ, 
to trust him for your salvation. And if you would say, you know, I've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, remember who has saved you. Remember what you've been saved from and the means that you've been given it, which is a free grace, a free gift, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let's pray. You are worthy, God. You are righteous. You are good. And you save us. And, and Lord, it's such good news to know in the midst of all of our sin and inability to keep your perfect law that you love us so much that you are willing to make the sacrifice for us, that you would declare us innocent, that you would redeem us from sin, um, and that you would uh, be with us as our Savior. And I pray, God, that, that that would settle deep in our hearts and that we would believe the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.